Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Legal Geeks. Today with uh, myself and with my geeky partner, Josh Gilliland, we have our very special guest host um, and expert on many things in the geek universe, Judge Matt Sherino. Uh, hey, Judge and Josh, how are you guys? Hi, Jess. Hi, Josh. Hello. I'm excellent. Your Honor, great to see you. Thank you. Now, normally, Your Honor, when we talk to you, we talk to you about Star Wars things because you are the end-all and be-all when it comes to the Star Wars universe. <laughs> but today, we're actually here to talk about another superhero um, that I did not know that you were into actually before today, but I think it does kind of fit. And we are here today. Josh is going to explain a little bit more, but I do say this is what probably one of my first favorite superheroes after Wonder Woman, but it's Batman. The new Batman storyline by Scott Snyder that picked up in issue 41 is absolutely fantastic. So Batman's presumed dead, and we find out Bruce Wayne's alive, and we're not going to get into how he's presumed dead, but let's fight with the Joker. And because there was the absence of Batman, Gotham PD and Powers Corp., which had acquired Wayne Enterprises, builds a bat suit, and they start testing different police officers to go, who will be the new Batman who will be deputized working with the police. And you think about this, that's cool. Okay, that's different. Well, they go through all these trainings. They're looking at all these young guys, police officers who are recent dads, all of that. And they realize, well, let's ask Jim Gordon. He's only 46. He can handle this. And we now have Jim Gordon running around as Batman who's been wearing nicotine patches, got LASIK surgery, doing the lifestyle change so he can be a new Batman. And it is a brilliant story. Wow. They're, they've done a couple things, like Gordon lives at Powers Corp in an apartment there, so his identity's kept secret. He's deputized, just like Batman was in the 1966 movie, but you don't see the quotes like we did in the 1966 movie. We have a bat app, and it's a wonderful incorporation of modern <laughs> technology into the comic book storytelling that if people are in trouble in the Narrows, that they hit the bat app, and that signals that they're in danger to people within 200 feet of them. Bringing together, the, there's an app for that just one step further. Exactly. Uh, if you can order a pizza on your app or get a burrito <laughs> delivered by drone, you can call Batman. So, nice. I can yeah. see that being used for uh, uh, other purposes besides having uh, scary characters around. There's a lot of neat stuff that they could do. So, <laughs> so there are gangs in the Narrows. We have Batman... Uh, using non-lethal force. There's great issues with Jim Gordon thinking about what it means to be Batman and really the philosophical issue of if Batman had worked within the system to show people that the system worked. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful administration of justice story that highlights we have a lot of great police officers in the world, so it's, it's that reflection, who become cops because they want to make a difference. They want to help, and Gordon represents that. And the fact that he wears a bat jumpsuit and then gets into a bat armor is cool. And he also uses non-lethal force. But wait, so does he have, do people know that he's been deputized? Like, is he walking around with a badge on his bad armor now and saying, like, freeze the police? It's, he's been in the, we're only on the third story with it. So in the first two, 
he gets called in by other police. So he goes in as backup type of thing because they're super powered individuals causing problems in the narrows. And instead of having just the cops be slaughtered, sure. Batman goes in to save the day. So that's, uh, there's the association. You see him saluting police officers and it looks like a giant robot armor. That's like a walking squad car. Huh? All right. So Batman is now RoboCop. That's yeah. (laughs) So there are RoboCop references in issue 43. And so where Batman goes rogue and is operating without the other police to do an investigation into the, uh, the triads. And uh, he ends up surrounded by a bunch of gang members who say, have you ever seen RoboCop? Because he's not in the battle armor. And so there's the fight with him with the Batarang gun that, that has darts uh, versus all of these uh, gangsters who are using live ammo near a giant shark tank. So it's, it's cool, but after he subdues them, it ends with, I hate RoboCop. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's so well done. I encourage anyone who, who enjoys Batman to, to really pick up uh, this story because they're doing a fantastic job. Now, is this storyline supposed to fall in, like, I mean, at all with the upcoming movie? No, no. Okay. It's, it's totally, you know, its own continuity in the comics. And it follows after the convergence and divergence storyline that, that happened in DC, which I did not read. I picked up afterwards. And this is one of those cases where you know, I'm normally not into, we're going to change everything radically. We're going to have a new person come in. And sometimes that works. And mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't. This is one of those times when it works. Like when Bucky became Captain America after Steve Rogers' death in the comics. It's, it's working. The, uh, or when uh, the first Robin, who had become Nightwing, became Batman after Batman's apparent death at the end of Final Crisis. It's a really good story because it's the common guy becoming the superhero. Right. Well, Thor changed his gender. It's, well, it's a different Thor. It's, it's now Jane. And, yes. And, and when is that coming back, by the way? I want that back now. So uh, the new series should start in September. Okay. Uh, and there's about three more months left of Secret Wars. And yeah, I got like the first one of that, and it just didn't hold my interest. I mean, I guess I should try some more of it, but it just did not compare to female Thor. The issue five of Secret Wars explained what happened and why Doom is the god and ruler of Battle World. Yeah, and, uh, but this was a storyline building, and you know, in Marvel for years that uh, uh, Hickman uh. had been putting together. It's complex. It's weird. Some of the comics are great. Some. I don't enjoy, and I look forward to getting back to a regular continuity so we can enjoy that. Yes. I Sorry, that brought us off topic, but so this whole idea of Batman being a police officer now adds, I mean, or makes me think of all kinds of questions and issues, and Josh, you've certainly thought a lot of these too, but let us turn to our expert, Judge Sherino, and let's see, let's get some of your insight on some of these. Um, I mean, so how does, you know, if Jim Gordon, now again, I guess police in the police headquarters know that he's Jim Gordon, right? Or is that even kind of kept secret except for maybe the top brass? Just the top. So you, because you can't have like 50 people know a secret. Right. So, so you have the new commissioner knows and those at 
I think it's a group of maybe three or four people at Powers Corp know okay. that Gordon is now Batman. So it's a very manageable number. So to keep it secret. But so does Batman like it? So how does he get a warrant then? Can you get well, if, a warrant? If, 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 he, if he's known to the judge as to who he is and he has a, a track record of reliability, um, that would be the, you know, he, he'd be coming in as, a, as an officer. Uh, sometimes they come in with a, a prosecutor. Um, the officer swears to the truth of, of the affidavit as to the facts as to why they need the particular warrant. Um, and, and he would be treated as, as a detective or an officer who is seeking a warrant and would probably be the same standard. If he is an informant and his identity uh. is not known to the court, generally informants have numbers so that there is a track record to track them if needed later on down the road towards trial. And an informant who has been used before uh, and has been found to have a basis of knowledge and is reliable in that knowledge, that judge can basically, and other detectives and other officers can rely on that same confidential informant for future endeavors and future warrants. Ah. If it's a first time confidential informant, the way it works in New York is that confidential informant is brought before the court. It's a closed proceeding. The judge asks that confidential informant, how do you know X? How do you know Y? Um, and he says, what is, what is the basis man. of your knowledge? Uh, <laughs> usually, usually it's, 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 it's drug buyers and drug dealers um, who, who have a expertise in the substance for which they are uh, talking about uh, and have been caught with something and, and in order to um, maybe get a better deal, um, they become a informant. Other mm -hmm. people are informant for the cash that the police put on the streets for informants. Um, but th that first time examination is, is done so that the judge can be secure and there's a, a court reporter there that takes this all down um, so that, again, if it's done later in trial, there's a record of all of this. And then thereafter, other judges can rely on the fact that, you know, Judge Sherino found this person to be reliable and they don't have to examine the person again. They might want to, and they'll ask the, the, the uh, police or the, the assistant district attorney to bring that person before the court to be examined. But usually we rely on each other once one of us has made a finding of reliability. Uh, and if one of us finds someone to be unreliable, most of us will rely on that as well. And, and sometimes a person can be rehabilitated. You know, he, yeah. he might have forgotten when he was last at the, uh, the premise where they're seeking the search warrant. Uh, yeah, he might be a little hazy of his details and the next night he's brought before another judge and somehow miraculously uh, has uh, remembered some of those details that he was a little fuzzy about in front of Judge A. Wow, cool. So let's think about historically, like federal and, and state criminal cases, where we have confidential informants or undercover police where this sort of warrant process can take place. In... in, in, in the federal system, I'd, I'd say, you know, the, the, the mob cases are probably your biggest example where you had deep undercover officers that were part of 
an organization and we're in that organization for, for a long time. And generally they're going to stay secret until everything is over and the entire investigation is over because so, you don't want to risk their lives uh, and, and you don't want the investigation to collapse because you haven't finished getting all the, the data. Um, and same with drug, high-level drug investigations. You're going to have um, a deep undercover officer as opposed to your street-level narcotic officers who uh, will do a, a tour undercover and basically get a bunch of cases. Could be for a year, two years, three years. And then as those cases work their ways to trial, those undercover officers usually will leave that assignment, maybe transfer to another uh, territory so that they can be used again. Um, but they, they will group together kind of those cases that they're prosecuting so that they can testify and, and their usefulness then could be uh, a lot less after that testimony because, you know, they are appearing in court usually for those trials. And there is a mechanism for um, keeping one's identity a secret or at least minimizing the amount of people that see the detectives. And see, I was going to ask, I know there are times where you can basically, what, exclude most people from the courtroom. So if they're still trying to maintain their confidential nature, is that what you could do is have everybody right. but maybe the attorneys and the parties leave? Is that the idea? I mean, there's, there's for, for closing, for closing the, the courtroom, I mean, everyone is entitled to a public trial. Right. So you, you are dealing, any judge that ever closes a courtroom, there's going to be an appeal just on that issue. Um, so you have to make sure that um, you're doing it for a good reason. And New York has a four-pronged test, which is basically a constitutional test where the, the party seeking to close the hearing uh, must advance an overriding interest that is likely to be prejudiced. The closure has to be no broader than necessary to protect that interest. The trial court has to consider reasonable alternatives to closing the proceeding. And the trial has to make a record of all of these things. And that's always done at a hearing. That hearing itself is usually closed because mm. I would defeat the purpose if it wasn't. And, and, and all of that is, is done with regards to um, that hearing. And, and alternative methods have been discussed where a person might be behind a chalkboard. Um, might well, be that's what I'm thinking of. When you see those investigative news pieces, you know, when the person's like, yeah, they're, you only see their silhouette and their voices are masked. Can you ever do that yeah. sort of thing in court? Or You does can it because that's an alternative procedure. But then yeah. that, the, the next level is, is the right of confrontation. So right. you, you, you have to strike the balance where you're not serving one amendment at the expense of the other. Um, so sometimes a compromise is going to have to be reached with regards to that. So if, if you're going to close the, the courtroom, then there's less the need for the, the other alternative things that you, that you would discuss. But it, it really always has to do with the life of the officer. And at part of that hearing, you're going to look at, you know, where is this officer um, with regards to his investigative career? Is he towards the end? Is it in the beginning? Is it this going to be a repeated investigation in this particular geography uh, so that you you can balance all of the various factors to decide whether to close or how to 
to minimize um, both the 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 uh, obviation of the defendant's rights to confrontation as well as the defendant's right to a public trial. But at the same time, you want to protect an officer's life, and you also recognize that the state does have an interest in using uh, these officers for other trials and other investigations and other undercover work. So that's the balance that, that the judge has to do. And you guarantee that other courts are going to look at what you did to mm-hmm. see if that was the best thing that could have been done or could you have done it better. And as long as you, 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 you have a very thorough hearing and you create a, a good record and you justify what it is that you're doing, I think you'll probably be upheld by the, the appellate courts. Um, I think a lot of what judges do come back to the scales of justice. And, yeah. and, I, and, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that's what judges really are supposed to do is really weigh those things and, and come out with something that satisfies due process. It, it's very important that a defendant gets a fair trial, but it's also important that you don't put anyone's life at risk. So mm-hmm. um, there are cases dealing with the family members, excluding them from the courtroom. Um, there's, there's also a mechanism uh, that's, I don't know if it's peculiar to New York or not, that it's called the Darden hearing. Uh, and this deals with when an undercover officer um, gets the warrant or um, it's his investigation that is the basis for a warrant. And there is a mechanism where the defense can challenge that officer's existence. Because you know, it's undercover officer 321 says X, Y, Z. Officer 321 has to exist. And it's not enough that the prosecutor says, of course, 321 exists. So the officer is brought to chambers and there's an on-the-record proceeding. The defendant and the defense counsel are not allowed as part of the proceeding. But they, the defense counsel can submit questions that the judge asks that officer. The whole thing is done on the record. And then that record is turned over to the defense counsel. Some of it might be uh, redacted for for various reasons, but- For identification uh, purposes or something. Correct. So so that's that's a way that New York balances and, and gives defense counsel, I think, a fair amount of information and confirms that the person really does exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure other states have a, have a similar mechanism, what, you know, what they call it, I don't know, but um, in, in, in New York, it's based on a people being Darden case, so it's a Darden hearing. Well, and what's actually so interesting about this, though, is that it's not like Batman's actually undercover. Um, I mean, in theory, let's say in Texas, for example, you can use an uh, an alter ego name legally as long as you're not trying to confuse anyone. So if I decide to call myself, you know, awesome mom, and I decide to wear a mask every day as just part of my fabulous outfit, I mean, and everybody knew me as awesome mom and always saw me as awesome mom. In theory, couldn't I tell I'm looking God? forward to this reality show. When is, when is, when is, when is awesome be, mom going to that's be right. I'm going to pitch it to, uh, yeah, the networks uh, this, in a month or two. So this is all copyrighted and trademarked, people. <laughs> I, I support your life choice to self-identify as awesome mom. So 
We'll get you My the kids mask. may not agree with that title. <laughs> as long as it's not Mommy Dearest, you're okay. But yes. I see a great marketing potential for the Awesome Mom shirt. I do, too. I need to start a blog. Um, but, yes, all right. And I definitely would wear a cape. I mean, it's part of this fabulous outfit. I would wear a mask, and I would have a cape. But, I mean, if I were going around everywhere as Awesome Mom, in theory, couldn't I testify in court? Is there actually a law that is part of the, you know, under the confrontation clause that you have to be able to see my whole face? Well, people judge credibility yeah. on someone's facial expressions. Uh, that's how juries do it. That's how judges do it. So a defense counsel, any smart one, is going to raise the fact that you testifying with a mask deprives my client of his Sixth Amendment right huh? to confrontation because the jury cannot see your facial expression. The prosecutor will argue that we need to protect uh, Awesome Mom's identity. And, and style and, sense. Hello. And, She's got and, a, it's a branding thing for me, really. Right. <laughs> and clearly the jury can see enough to, 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 to determine whether or not Awesome Mom is, is, is lying. <laughs> and, and, and that'll be what the judge has, has to weigh. Yeah. Um, Marvel, in, in their universe, actually created an amendment to the Constitution, which allowed heroes to testify with their mask, not to have to reveal their real identity. Um, I don't think the DC universe has that. And, and I, I've actually always been curious, and I, I, don't, I don't read a lot of the, the, the comics uh, for, for the DC universe in, in, since, since my teenage years, but if, 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 the Joker has never gone to trial, as far as I know. He's always <laughs> caught, and he's brought straight to that asylum. And he stays there until, of course, he escapes. And then he's thrown back into the asylum. Knowing what I know of the Joker's personality, the man would love a trial. That's I can true. almost guarantee he'd be, act as his own lawyer, although he might have a high-powered lawyer on the on retainer. But that trial would be an incredible amount of fun. Uh, also, we should copyright as far as DC if they're going to do this in, in a movie. But I think that that trial would be one of the most fun episodes ever. That uh, would be. And he would clearly challenge Batman's. Like, you know, he would he would make himself as annoying as the Joker can be. He would challenge his identity. Right. He would say that he's not getting a fair trial until he says that he's Bruce Wayne uh, and all of that. And I, I've always kind of wanted the Joker to take it to that level. But I, I, unless it's in the comic books and I, and, and I missed it, um, I, I, I think that that's something the DC Universe should explore. Well, there are 75 years of history, so there could have been a trial at some point. Because I haven't read all 75 years with the Batman comics. I, but I want, like, I want the movie because... We have to I ask Terry O'Brien this question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I want like the Jack Nicholson Joker combined with his character from A Few Good Men in the trial scene. You know, I mean, like that would just be so perfectly exactly. awesome. Exactly. I, I think that you know this would be one heck of a you know. Nice, I love it. Nice, nice part of a movie. Yeah, that would be great. Do that instead of this Ben Affleck nonsense. I'm still upset about him being Batman. Just let it go. I can't. I can't. I won't. It's just because. As long as Batman doesn't have a nanny, we're all safe. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> or, or live with his aunt. So there's. Anyway, 
focus. They're a young-looking aunt. <laughs> it's his niece. <laughs> now, 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 now. So, go, going back to the mask and the confrontation clause with facial expressions, not all of the face is covered. You know, so we're not dealing with a Deadpool-like mask. We or a Spider-Man mask. Or yeah. Dr. Fate, to go back to DC. We're dealing with, you can see uh, the lips, the mouth, uh, the jaw. You know, you can't see the eyes, uh, but you can also see body language as well. So I do think you can make the argument that you have a deputized officer of the law who is deep undercover uh, for, so his family doesn't get wiped out I think it could work, but we don't have that happening in real life because let's be honest, that would be kind of weird. It would be kind of weird if it were happening in real life. Yeah, I haven't had any mask crusaders uh, in, in my courtroom. Which I'm actually kind of surprised by because actually that seems like something that would show up in a courtroom. Somebody who well, thinks occasionally if, if you're working right? if you're working night court. Okay. On on on. On October 31st, November 1st, (laughs) there there have been superheroes that have been before me in the courtroom, Um, but they generally are not on the prosecution side. (laughs) They're usually the defendants. So, yes, there have been masked crusaders. Their mask is usually off when they're brought in front of me, but... There, there have been, you know, superhero costumes in, in front of me in, 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 in Night Court, yes. Is Night Court on cable TV? Because that could actually be really good dinner theater to watch. Uh, well, I want to show up on Halloween, that's for sure now. I'm like, that it, could be it, it's, a, it's actually, it's, you want the morning after. Okay. The, the, it's, it used to be the, you know, it's the rest October 31st for the most part. Although the week leading up, there's a lot of Halloween parties. Yeah. Um, so you do get an occasional costume. But uh, November 1st, the morning court ha- has a decent amount, and, and night court October 31st has a decent amount of, of costumes. Not as many because, in all honesty, there's uh, most of the Halloween parades have been very clean of late. Uh, they're not quite as. Uh, crazy as they used to be, so um, it's it's not to the levels that it once was. But you know, it's you you do see the occasional costume. So, and we had an issue in uh, Santa Clara County a couple years ago where people got out smartphones and started trying to take video of juries and in like gang cases, and so there became a prohibition on camera phones being used in court they they weren't like federal courts in collecting them but if that, you, that's what we have in new york we we have signs as you come into the courtroom that you can't have any electronic devices out in the courtroom and my officers make an announcement in the morning and we we do seize um phones if we see one of them uh, we will look at them if we see that there was uh, possibly a, a a picture taken uh, and on many occasions, we, we have seen the pictures in the phone. Usually, once they agree to delete them, that's the end of it. Uh, if they don't agree to delete them, then the phone itself might be taken into evidence. The person could get a summons, and then they would look at the phone. Uh, there was a particular case dealing with the um, Hasidic Jewish community in, in, in Brooklyn, and the a rabbi was on trial for... Uh, sexually assaulting this young woman. 
and the young woman was ostracized by the community for testifying against this rabbi and allegedly uh, some members of the sect had taken pictures and put it on Twitter um, and um, of the the victim while she was testifying and the the people that were alleged to have done it were charged themselves uh, and, and I actually had that case where the the people that were charged um, it turned out that someone else had had created a fake Twitter account and basically got this other guy in trouble that wasn't the real person that did the pictures so the cases in front of me were ultimately dismissed but um, they've been they've been a lot stricter with regards to smartphones and the cameras that they all have uh, in the courtrooms. For a while, New York had been uh, allowing cell phones, but not allowing any cell phones that had cameras in them. This was in the days when only a few had cameras in them. They got rid of that policy when that policy became all the officers were doing were vouchering and giving back phones all day. They were spending countless hours doing it. Uh, and, and it just gummed up the system too much. So now we basically have a system is, as long as we don't hear it or see it and it's in your pocket, we don't bother you. If it's out, then we have to, you know, go to the next level. Fascinating. I know we have judges in my county that like lawyers being able to get out the phone and either check a statute or being able to uh, check calendars or pull up right. a case. And, and, and in my courtroom, all the attorneys sit in the, in the, in the first row and they're all given permission. And I say it when I, when the offices make the announcement that attorneys have been given permission to use this, the phone. That's why they're using it. And you in the audience are not uh, is because the judge has previously given them permission to, to use their phone. And occasionally attorney has to take a picture too. Sometimes, especially at arraignments, they want to take a picture of, their client's face who's allegedly been beat up by the cop or by uh, a cross complainant. And they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, your honor, is it okay if I take a picture of, of, of my client? And I always say yes, but you know, they always ask. Um, and occasionally we also have the media in our courtroom and they ask permission to take pictures of the proceeding, whether it's video or still or, or audio. Uh, and, they ask permission and we grant it or not, depending on who's the bench. Some of, some of us give it all the time. Some of us give it less freely. If I were awesome mom on the jury or Batman were on the jury, could we wear our mask there? <laughs> well, uh, the, 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 uh, the only precedent I know of that is, is the woman who wore the Star Trek uniform <laughs> to trial every day. And she wore her dress uniform out of respect for the court. Uh, and she sat throughout uh, and um, it, so I would, I, I don't know about the mask, but the rest of the costume, I guess you'd be allowed to wear. You know, I do have to say, I'm a huge 30 Rock fan and still miss it. And I remember when Liz Lemon, she always dressed up as Princess Leia for jury duty to get out of jury duty, but she got summoned to jury duty in New York. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to get you out of jury duty here. <laughs> we see a lot crazier here in New York. But Donald, Donald Trump had jury duty in New York That's today. right, so, speaking of. <laughs> so the, the, uh, that created, I'm sure, a lot of havoc uh, in, 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 uh, in Manhattan. I think I saw a picture, actually. Somebody took a picture sitting next to him for yes, jury yeah, duty. And who said he was very nice and chatted and, and you know, was, was, was 
was actually a lot nicer than she thought he would be. <laughs> oh, um, and speaking of which, tying this all together, he even told that little boy, you see the video clip from the helicopter ride, where the little boy said, hey, Mr. Trump, are you Batman? <laughs> he said, I'm Batman. Great way, wow. to, bring us, great way to bring us back. <laughs> I was like, we planned it, and we didn't. Yeah. Mic drop, walk away. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's the podcast. Well, Geeks <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm Batman. So, and what else can we say? I'm like, we end with Donald Trump. It will help us with our ratings, right? It works for Fox News. It will help for us. We we will not discuss the Donald. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I say we get him for a guest post. Judge, you're great. But I think I, I, Trump. I can't. I, I, I can't give any uh, political endorsements <laughs> or opinions whatsoever. So. But ratings. I'm just why? stating the fact that he had jury duty today. In no way do I say and that, that, that he was is good, bad, or indifferent. Yes. <laughs> and I do not know his secret identity. <laughs> if he has one. <laughs> Wow. Well, with that, <clears throat> Judge Sherino, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you, Judge. You're welcome. Stay geeky, America. Stay geeky. <laughs>